The Hurling Podcast is brought to you by the Enniscorthy Credit Union, where you can join and apply for a loan on the same day. With great interest rates and special rates for car loans, green car loans and education loans. Check out their website at enniscorthycu.ie. The Enniscorthy Credit Union. Local, loyal and lending. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Enniscorthy Credit Union Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If I told you what I put them lads through, you wouldn't believe it. Hurling has to be the most difficult, eye-hurting sport I've ever witnessed. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been described as the bridesmaids of Hurling, but today we got married. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air, and then hit it. But, but the part, late. I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through taking pace. Hello, right, Wexford! Hello and welcome to the Hurling Podcast. 11 Leinster titles, 8 All-Irelands, 5 leagues and 4 All-Stars. Eddie Brennan joins us this week for a look ahead to the Championship and in particular the Wexford versus Leash game this Saturday at 5pm. Are you looking forward to this one, Ben? Uh, very much, yeah. I, championship, you know, can't, can't wait for it. Yeah, there's nothing like Championship and um, I suppose that league wasn't even like a normal league so it's great to have the Championship starting and full steam ahead. Yeah, there's three three decent games, you know, if Antrim can do well, it could be very exciting. So looking forward to it. Yeah, well, we've got Eddie here to talk to us about them, and here it is. So, Eddie, you're you're not a fan of Connie Cunningham's punditry on the Euros, no? <laughs> I know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just intrigued, I suppose, and I'm waiting to see... When this lad takes up the mountain of Gaffer, it'll be interesting. So, uh, yeah, no, I was just listening to him the other day. I think with, uh, I think it was Stephen Elliott, and geez, he just kept cutting in on him. Poor Elliot, <laughs> keep telling him I'm not disagreeing with you, Kenny, but he was having none of it anyway. So, uh, very assured and very uh, definite in in his in his thoughts anyway. So, uh, I'm watching that space with with uh, with intrigue. I, I can't say I'm a fan myself now. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> not, not even the eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I heard him one day. It was funny actually. In the Sunday game, one day, um, myself and Michael Dyken were doing a you know a, a Sunday an evening a, you know the Sunday night highlights show, and uh, there was soccer going on. But it was the day that I think uh, Everton. Uh, done Man United for all in Old Trafford. I think Fellaini and Fubin got goals near the ends, and then they popped United. But it was priceless. Like we were watching a match, and the boys, you know, Kenny was above doing it, and the boys were ooh and ah. And Michael Dyton kind of let a shout out, and he says, "Jeez, he says, why are you shouting over lads? Probably a corner or something silly." He says, "Two ten to nine points down here." But, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was funny. He was uh, he was uh, going through his lines and everything. So the ultra pro. <laughs> I was reading an article written by your old buddy Jackie Terrell there today and he says Eddie was calm and almost like a daddy figure to us you always felt safe around him how did that how does that make you feel now <laughs> it feels it makes me feel a bit old to be honest uh I don't I don't feel mature but maybe maybe we're getting to that point but uh 
Uh, yeah, I think I think that was written a while ago. I think it was uh, maybe in the aftermath of uh, I think it was maybe last year. I don't know, but um, yeah, I suppose I think I think what Jackie was referring to was probably the the kind of um, I suppose everyone has their own personalities and stuff. And um, for me, I suppose uh, I'd be definitely someone that I'd be always looking for a solution rather than than to manifest the problem. Like so. Uh, I suppose um, I don't know wh- wh- where it comes from. Maybe it's just years of, of waiting patiently for our backs to deliver a good ball into us. Um, so <laughs> um, you had to be patient and you had to wait for things to happen. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, I suppose yeah, yeah. The 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 gig requires now that you stay quite calm and collective on the sideline. I suppose that's just maybe the per- the persona that we've I've taken on anyway. I don't know. Um, I suppose uh, observers will tell you I, I try not to get too excited when you're there on the sideline. I think uh, you definitely have to keep very calm and, and you're trying to observe as much as you possibly can and, and take in as much as you possibly can. So uh, I don't know. I, I hope it'll always be that way. Uh, there's definitely moments there where you'll be getting fairly robust and excited. Maybe inside you might be showing it, but definitely inside in the head, uh, yeah, sometimes the, the hamster could be spinning off the wheel. <laughs> and, and if you were the daddy figure in the Kilkenny dressing room, who was the mother figure? <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, I think Mammy and Daddy Brian, I think so. <laughs> um yeah, look, I suppose uh, geez, I, I definitely would saw myself as that type of uh guy within the squad, but uh I think we were all just I suppose a cog in the wheel, but um ah uh, yeah, there was look there was different lads took on I suppose different roles in, in some ways and uh I think uh, you'd you'd often be trying to characterise lads maybe in, in some ways with what with what they are and there's all sorts of analogies and that and uh, I think um, there was there was a night actually years ago at one of the All Star dues um, myself I think it was Taggy uh, Tommy Welsh and maybe Michael Rice start I don't know how it started but we start messing over a team of hurling a hurling team made up of chocolate bars so like obviously the the line bar was Noel Hickey at full back and stuff like that but uh Tommy wasn't happy when we tried to to pin the time out down at number five so Tommy was happy with that anyway that particular night and uh it was so it was <laughs> we were in such a good order that we actually got a receipt from the bar and wrote down the, the all the chocolate bars but uh I don't know where it disappeared anyway but uh it was a it was a serious team of chocolate anyway it'd be worth digging out at some stage <laughs> yeah we'll uh we'll get to our the preview for the weekend's game in a while, but I suppose you played a lot of games against Wexford. There's so many of them we could talk about, but you know, we'll start anyway with the 2004 Leinster semi final. <laughs> our our favourite of them. Uh, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> he, he picked well in fairness. I wouldn't blame <laughs> Was that the only time that you were on a Kilkenny team beaten by Wexford? Uh, geez, that's oh, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. No, we I think we got beaten by them in 2001 down in in Escorty one day. I think in the Walsh Cup match. I'm trying to think. Was there another one? Jeez, I think there was somewhere along the line. I think we went down to Wexford Park early in the year one year, and we got we got popped below as well. So, yeah, that one definitely uh, definitely doesn't uh, it hasn't uh, disappeared from the the memory bank anyway. That's for sure. Um, it's, it's funny. I can still see sequences of play. I can even still see the play that led up to the goal where Adrian Fenlon cut the sideline in. I think. Uh, Pat Tennyson, I think, was out in front of me and I think I called for the pass off him and I don't know, was it miss hit or miscued or something like that? And 
I, I don't know, you know, at, at the time you're saying, geez, you just wanted to get the ball, get the ball in their hands and, and get moving with it. And look, the, the rest is history, as they say. Um, I, I can distinctly remember that day um, where, you know, you saw Peter Barry's uh, right hand going up and catching and you thought, right, we're out, we're out of jail here. But it was a savage game. We just we just could not shake Wexford off that day. They just they just hung in and hung in and it was a performance of performances. So the only the only souvenir I got out of the day was Rory McCarthy's jersey and uh, st- still have it uh, here at home. So <laughs> that was a, a little bit of a scalp. He actually got man of the match that day as well. Yeah, thank God I was only I only swapped jerseys with him. I wasn't near yeah. him now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I, I played most in the corner that day. He was outside us on the wing, but yeah, no, he was exceptional. And in fairness, most of them were on the day. I think it was uh, a savage battle, a savage game of hurling. And uh, should look at it, it obviously had the, the grandstand finish uh, very much uh, enjoyable and good memories from a Wexford point of view. And they went on and, and lifted at Leinster. Wexford obviously played for, for the time... Wexford played a very different style of Ireland that day. What, like, what was the discussion at halftime, on how you get to grips with it, or what, what did you change to to try to stop what was happening? I don't know. I think, to be honest, I, I don't think there was much tactical discussions like that back then. Um, I, I, if I recall, I think Wexford had, uh, maybe Rory or Rory Quigley. And I think maybe one of the Jacobs or possibly Paul Carley maybe on the two wings and they just kept rotating. They just kept moving across and I think all Fitzhenry was doing then was just putting it out in front of them that they were just kind of swapping sides and running blind and, and I think he had the range to obviously put it into space. They stood out of the middle that day, they stood away from Peter. And I suppose if you if we talk about uh, modern tactics and stuff like that, there's no doubt I would, I would credit Fitzy with, with piloting that that day because... I think uh, we had Sean Dowland and if I, I think Brian Hogan made his debut actually that day at, at, at seven and Sean Dowland was at five and the two boys uh, spent most of the day running around after the two lads because such was their movement on the day. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, look, I don't recall the, the dressing room talk at halftime that day. It was just, I suppose, usually our stuff with Brian was stick to the process and try, you know, get our hands on the ball and, and do what we do. But um you know, we met a, 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 an unbelievably game Wexford team on the day that, that just fought for every ball as well. Now, you've obviously have beaten Wexford most times you played. And your your best day, I would say, is probably 2008, I think. You scored 2-2. Now, there's a there's a club man of mine who he's... I won't say his name because I'd be shot. But uh, <laughs> he's famed for keeping holding you scoreless for... 37 minutes <laughs> <laughs> what are your memories of that particular day how did I, you I, score I, the first goal I think I, I think I actually held him to a point in the first half if I, if I remember <laughs> the next goal. Um, yeah no I remember the first half jeez uh, you'd be again talk about tactics and stuff I think PJ Delaney was wing back down for me I was 12 on the day which strangely enough I never really liked playing on the 12 side but uh PJ was seven and I think Donny Cody was four. And what they done was, I don't know who was on PJ that day, but he he just went off to the other side of the pitch. So the, the whole, that side of the, the pitch in the first half down to Cusack was all open. And I suppose I tried to drop back uh, and cover that a little bit. And then the, the icing on the cake, and what really drove me queer was when uh, Mick Jacob came up and got a point in the first half. But uh, just before half time, I think I went in corner forward and I had a glorious goal chance that I absolutely butchered. 
And I think Maliki Travers uh, mowed me over like a train uh, just as after I fumbled it and I was nearly on my knees. Uh, and yeah, look, it turned around the second half. I think uh, Henry got a penalty that day just before half time, and that gave us a little bit of breathing space. And uh, we we got the we we just kept working and got the opening eventually in the second half. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a fair old battle. And uh, at that stage, there were, these these wing backs weren't really renowned for scoring points, so it was a fair dint to the pride when your man at five pops you for a point. <laughs> it wasn't good. Well, you've you've let the other fella off the. He said he wasn't marking you for the full of it. You know, so Who, um, yeah, he, <laughs> Maliki was it? No, no, different guy, different guy. All right. All right. Again, again, can't say. Oh name. yeah, yeah. In the second half, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you said that you you found a way then early in the second half, but how how did you fight? How did you score that goal? Uh, the geez, first one. A, a bit of a hail mary job. I know it was it was it's funny. Uh, I remember Donny Cody slagging me over this at the time, saying even afterwards he says you did no way. He says you didn't mean that, and they couldn't have. And. Uh, I suppose I said, yeah, I, I maybe didn't mean it to be that top bin of a finish. like, But uh, I just saw, I think Richie Power was in front of me and he just crossed my line. And all I could see was I just said, in my, it's, it's mad what goes through your head in split seconds. I just saw Fitzy checking to his left, which was away from where I put it. And there was just maybe a foot and a half of the goal. And all I, all I said was, I said, if I put it across there, he cannot see it and he will not get across to it. And... I clipped it a lot better than I had hoped anyway. And it just it just sailed across. The, he just couldn't get across. It's just bodies in front of him more so. But uh, I certainly didn't mean to put it up there in the top bin. I just I felt if I even got it on the ground, there was no way he was going to get across. So there was a little bit of luck, but uh, I'll take it. I, I, I should be arrogant maybe and take it. <laughs> ben actually tried to tell me before we, 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 we you came on that, <laughs> that he was trying to blame Bitty on this. He didn't yeah. fit each other. Got to it. I never said such a thing. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, 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 that was it. Like I said, I just said because he was a very hard man to beat most of the time. I can tell you, the, it, it, it took, it took a serious shot to beat him. So I just felt that day when I, when I saw the lads just crossing, mm. I said, ah, here we, we have a little bit. We have one spot to put it into because uh, from that distance, you would never ever ever have a go off Fitzy anyway, that's for sure. I said you want to be close to the goal and pass it into the net, really. We actually thought that the first the other goal where Fitzy was all over you, you were in a crowd of players and you somehow managed to get it in. I thought you were that a crowd was a of players goal. with I'd say three or four around you and you were actually facing away from the goal. And yeah. you kind of just flicked it backwards in. Yeah, I suppose it was just it was just improvised. Um, I just remember thinking, Jesus, what have I to do to get a penalty here? Um, <laughs> I was like waiting for the ref, but no, I was, Jesus, I don't know, there was a couple of lads all over me. I think was it Mossy Waters or a Tonks guy, I think James Tonks, maybe, or there was someone like that, I think, playing as well at that stage. I think came on as a sub, and uh, all I remember was just being kind of well wrapped up and and Fitzy came on as well and I remember just kind of going I said oh here I'll try this it's it, it probably going to hit a body or something because it was kind of falling to ground and I just let let go of it and just give a little tap of the hurl and it just luckily enough it it, it popped into where there was no bodies heartbreaking it's pretty good now <laughs> it was it was yeah, no, it was, it was it was one that even afterwards I, I kind of laughed myself because I couldn't believe I got it in because I think when you try something like that, when there's bodies there, you're you're expecting you could often turn and make a clean connection and it'll just bounce off a body. So it was just uh, 
trying to stay calm and try to get something off it. We'll have a look at future games now. Championship coming up, obviously, the weekend. Do you think maybe, say, the refs will kind of calm down and the game will be allowed to flow a bit more like it used to, as opposed to the so many frees? Um, yeah, you'd be hoping so. I think we've we've definitely seen a shift in the last couple of years in terms of, you know, I thought, look, refs, they, they, they seem to be, the, and it's probably the instructions more so. I, I think I've seen a few refs, they've kind of emerged, and if they're, you know, given the freeze and given the cards, they, they, they seem to be getting a little bit more games. Like, and I remember doing the Sunday game, uh, was it two years ago, when Wexford and Kilkenny drew uh, down in, down in uh, Wexford. Uh, it was a cracking game. It was real full-blooded. It was, I think, you know, for me, I thought that evening that Fergal Horgan contributed to a great game. And arguably, look, I, I said it even on the Sunday game. I said, look, maybe in other circumstances, I think there was definitely one or two lads lucky to stay on the pitch and probably could have a few more cards. But that didn't, um, I think that that style of refereeing would have killed the game. So I suppose... We, we want our food, our cake, and we want to eat it. So I suppose it's finding that happy medium. And I think ultimately what you want in a ref is someone that understands the game and 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 can kind of understand what's happening and understand when guys make uh, genuine attempts to tackle. And, you know, there's nothing wild or nothing erratic. And I think that's all any player wants, I think, is, is just that kind of level of consistency that if, you know, if... if certain things if the game is that flow and, and, and good honest robust tackling is done but I suppose the, the the thing that's come in for a lot of talk recently is just even too is just the you know maybe the the different level different types of tackle and you know is there is there kind of deliberate fouling going on and stuff like that and uh, I suppose um, yeah I was I was advocating look there's a lot I thought there was a lot of very poor cynical tackles last year the one that jumps to mind is you know, you take maybe uh, Shami Callan got pulled down last year against Galway, just a pure rugby tackle down. I think, you know, I have to be fair about it, Huey Lawler pulled back Niall Bork last year in the Leinster final, you know, and there, there are situations where you say, look, there's absolutely no attempt to make a tackle whatsoever. And and in terms of maybe, uh, you know, differentiating between a genuine tackle and the likes of that and dealing with it is probably what we're looking for because uh, I heard someone saying there lately that, you know, does is is cynical player being coached into players? I think there's probably an element of that too, and 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 a bit of everything really. But um, it's difficult for refs because the, there is massive speed in the game. Yeah, well, I'd say of a lot of the changes that people were kind of fearing that that one coming in the the new rule that if you take the player down if they've got a goal scoring chance that it's a penalty and a sin bin. I don't know if there was a need for the sin bin as well, but. I would I'd agree with the penalty. I don't, I don't see why it needs to be inside the D or the 21. I would I just call it a goal-scoring chance. Yeah. Um, if if I, you take a player well, down with a goal-scoring chance, then it's a penalty. Yeah, I think I think that was the complication. When I read the rule at the time, I thought that was a real layer of complication that really put pressure on refs to scrutinise it. I think, you know, if you have, even we'll say with the speed of players are moving, so if a guy breaks true on the 45 well he's in the 21 within two three seconds like so um you know you'd say whereas you could have a lad out with the corner flag and you jump up in his back and you know the, it's, yeah. the, the risk is the same really so do you turn around and say look if if somebody makes absolutely zero attempts to tackle somebody inside the 45 
is that a penalty and a yellow card? And maybe, you know, I, again, I was last year, I have to say, I was put my hand up. I was looking for this saying, look, if defenders or anyone for that matter is going to rip somebody down, make absolutely no attempt, there has to be a heavy punishment because then you weed it out quickly. Whereas if lads are going on the pitch and they know, well, if I pull down somebody here or I rip somebody down, I make no attempt to tackle. That's the risk I'm running. But I suppose it is maybe you say, look, is it going to is it going to be too hard or too severe? But I definitely think if somebody is deliberately foul, pull of a jersey, drag down, absolutely no attempt, it has to be a penalty from for me inside the forty five. But I think when you you know you mentioned it there. Throw in the layer of or a, a goal scoring opportunity. I don't. I, I think you're just complicating it there. You're really uh, putting pressure on refs to call that. You know. Yeah, that that is. Well, there's still there's still a pressure on them to to call whether it was a deliberate drag down. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the Simbin part didn't make sense to me. The, the reason the rules have been brought in is. For the last minute of a game, if you're two points up yeah. and you've got a player running through, like you drag them down. And if they're outside the D, you're out. If if they're outside the twenty-one and outside the D, you're still you're dragging them down now. Definitely, do not let yeah. them get inside the D. Well, I suppose if you go back even lads and just remember the the club all Ireland last year when when Kilku were trying to build out from the back, and there was a very deliberate foul on their own forty-five, and there was arguments went on, and eventually they got a second free. Like there was. The Corofin lads made absolutely no effort whatsoever to play. They just knew they had the match. They were a point up and they just were fouling. So, yeah, that, that that probably makes that argument. But all the more so, you're saying, that's where you say, right, well, we're, 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 we're Irish, so we, we quickly adjust the things and we quickly find a way to bend the rule or, or step over the line. If the foul is outside, inside the 45, right, well, we make sure he doesn't get that far either. So <laughs> there's always going to be a case of, you know, I suppose we, we'll play cute with it anyway. But um, yeah, I just think it's something that, look, we I love robust, honest to God, good, manly hurling where there's hits given and taken. But I think I think we'd be naive to say that there's an element of just that negative thing. It's there and we just have to be careful that we don't let it escalate because, you know, I suppose the scenarios are... Like you said, they're the classic situation. I think Shami Callan's tackle last year falls into that category whereby Tip needed a goal and there was just, I think it was Adrian too, he just jumped up on his back and just rugby tackled him to the ground. I think there has to be, otherwise we won't have that late drama where someone gets a goal at the end of a match to pinch it, like the one you're, you were quite quick keen to remember. <laughs> <laughs> I say, if I had to be near Rory Jacob that day or Mick Jacob, I would have rugby tackled him too. <laughs> so... Um, we do, we understand where players are coming from and as you said there, you roll the dice and that's it. Looking forward to the weekend now, Wexford against Leash. Like considering how the league has gone for your former Leash players, like, like would they be looking positively on the game or would they in many ways be looking forward to just hoping not to ship a decent beating? Yeah, it's hard to know because uh, they, I, I think a team like Leash needs a good pre-season. I think where they are, and, you know, I suppose the year we were, the first year we were in there, we got a good, we we had a decent run into a McDonough where, you know, you knew that, well, if we can guess some of the basics right, you know, we should be that little bit better than the other teams there. But once you step up to the Leinster Championship, then you really need, you need your good pre-season. You really need to get your injuries right 
And I think they have a couple of significant injuries at the moment. And, you know, I suppose COVID has definitely hampered them making a progress. Whereas if you look at maybe where Wexford came from a couple of years ago, they were able to get a couple of, you know, two or three good winters under their belt and it stood to them going forward. So in terms of conditioning, um, you know, Leash are, are, weren't able to do that. But um, going into it, yeah, you'd say there's probably concern because they're, they're not, they haven't really played with any real fluency. You know, there's been patches and matches where they've played, played quite well, um, but they have taken some decent beatings. And uh, I think if they had a good preseason, I think Wexford are a bit all over the place at the moment. So you'd say Wexford need to tidy up, you know, you for, for Davy Fitz, you know, he, I'm sure he'll want to tidy up, you know, maybe an element of just untidiness that was in their play there against Kilkenny. I think they were just, they just looked a bit off the pace and, Maybe they had a big training session the day before, which which you know Davy Fitz likes to do occasionally when when you know the match was of no significance really. Um, I think championship is everything for them now, so I'd imagine his 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 key to it is just tidying up the bits of housekeeping. And you'd have to say that um, you know they, they'll be they'll be strong favourites to do the job there. They'll be expected to do the job there, and uh, you know if they have all their their big guns firing and all their big guns on the pitch, but I suppose they haven't had a good run in, you know, you take the three years that, that everything went really well for Wexford. They had some good run-ins, they had some good matches before that, whereas, you know, COVID this year maybe and, and last year probably has hampered them a small bit, you know. I'm hoping it's a little different. He, like last year, they were clearly a bit overcooked, hoping timing is right this time. Yeah. They have improved, I think, last game anyway. Yeah, they, they they look to be that little bit better against Dublin. They look to be coming back to themselves. And definitely, if you're to take two big positives out of us, you know, they, they played Dublin and won. And they also went to Clare and turned over, a, you know, a sizable lead. So uh, the one thing that the, the positives is, is that, you know, you know, a few of the guys, Rory and Lee, you know, Conor Mack, they're, they're all playing matches. So in terms of match sharpness, they should be decent. And uh, I would expect them to to pull it together. I would expect them to to be a little bit more organised and to be really at it, um, because uh, I think I think you know David will, will you know if realistically they they should be getting through this match, um, and you know at the same time you'd be hoping look uh, from a leash point of view I you know I hope to God that they they go out and give a give a mighty performance I hope that they you know can put their best foot forward, um, and and you know and that they don't ship a big beating in that match. In certain games that Wexford lose, specifically Galway last year, Kilkenny this year, it's almost as if, to an extent, the opposition retreats to almost midfield, allows us the ball and say, come on, run at us. Do you think, and if we can't do that, it looks pretty bad. Is it, to an extent, do some teams like say, oh, we have Wexford figured out? Yeah, the possibly an element of that like and and you know the the irony we heard a few years ago about the the the, the amount of different game plans and setups that 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 Davy had and the boys had and yet you know one of those game plans didn't involve you know being five points up in an all-earned semi-final and closing it out um and again you know you'd say you know when you're doing something so well when you've you know you've dominated a team like Tipperary in that match and ran the legs off them and I was there watching it that day Wexford were unbelievable that day they just tip couldn't handle them and yet then coming down the straight they just seemed to retreat a little bit and you know start poking it long when you know I think at a stage of a match and, and it's the one area that you'd say Wexford 
are good to a point under is, is mind and possession. And you say, you know, when, when that match was there to be won, that was when they needed to mind possession and not kind of poke the ball long. Whereas by poking it long that day, and maybe there was an element of keeping it up the other end of the pitch too and, and avoid that goal. Um, it just didn't work for them. But yeah, in terms of 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 what they do, I think it's 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 blatantly obvious for everyone to see there. You know, Kevin Foley sits back and 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 he creates that extra man, and the rest of the lads mark their men. But there's also that break forward element of it, and and I think the the probably the big the big loss for that is the likes of Paddy Foley. I think he he gives them that. I think he gives you those couple of points in 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 matches, and you know even last uh, two years going that semi final, Sean Murphy, you know, was flying up and down the fields. I think, uh, you, you know, the there was a point got uh, from Liam Ryan as well, where he sailed up the field. So, I think that's that's the the setup is that it 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 gives lads license to go up the field, knowing that Kevin Foley sits back, and then maybe occasionally. But I suppose for me, I love to see like Rory get on the ball. Connor Mack is is a good target man, and I just think if you have someone as good as Connor McDonald in there, I think for me anyway, you're going to try get the ball into him as much as possible because. He'll take it whatever way it goes into him. He's he's good in the air. He's physically strong. He has an eye for a goal. Um, and then it depends who you put inside with him and and, and what way they set up. But um, yeah, I think it, you it, that's the way Wexford have gone, and you say they stick to that. His tried and trust, trusted for them. So uh, I'd be surprised if they come away from that. Are there specific tactics you think Leash will be looking to go with in order to? Upset Wexford. Um, I've seen Cheddar before do some radical things. I think against Galway a few years ago, he dropped everyone back. He left one up on top, which was poor Tommy Fitz. And I think he even had two and a half forward line. They literally put a lot of bodies behind the ball. So maybe they're going to try congest that middle third and and try, you know, force Wexford to frustrate, to maybe frustrate Wexford a little bit and not allow any space to develop. So I'd imagine there'll be something like that because they're probably not playing with enough fluency to really go at them. I think what they'll what what Cheddar might look to do is is keep it nice and tight at the back, stack it with bodies, and then use the likes of Paddy Purcell, who's who's very athletic, to maybe carry the ball up the fields. Um, you know, I, I I maybe get it inside to the likes of Ross. You know, who, who's who's dangerous. Who's again a guy. You know, I, I'd have to say I worked with him. He's, he's a good player. He's a really good player and uh, well able to deal with the ball, well able to score. So I, 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 that's what I, I'd expect. Again, I could be wrong. Now, you're kind of saying that that's what you're expecting Cheddar to do. Would you have done something like that yourself? Or would it be too much against um, your, no, your style? I, no, I suppose it depends what it is. I, I suppose I, I, I don't, you know... I, my own philosophy is you want your lads to be good enough to go and play the match. They have to go attack it. They have to go, you have to outscore the opposition no matter what way you go about it. But it's probably finding the balance of defending well when you have to defend and then, you know, obviously minding the ball and then using it intelligently. That's that's obviously the the way it's supposed to work anyway. And it doesn't always happen that way because there's a lot of variables when you take 15 players. So there's only so much planning you can go into that. But I think you want to try get your players to a level and trust them to go after the match then when it's there. And maybe there's an element of keeping it tight at the start. Just just say, look, we need to make sure uh, we don't concede early goals. Um, and that was our approach to you know that that Dublin match a few years ago. We felt we did not want to let them get an early goal and get a run on us. So we'd keep it as tight as could be. And, and that was why we deployed uh, that seventh defender back there to, to make sure that we didn't get opened up. 
is that seventh defender is that seen as uh, okay to do in Kilkenny you know? I don't know I think you'll find out in a few weeks time um, it looked as if Kilkenny um, have evolved a little bit uh, I think we've seen signs of this in previous years and then maybe they just revert back to, to uh, a tried and trusted traditional setup. But I think it would be probably naive on Kilkenny's behalf now if they don't, you know, be able to blend from one way to another. I think there, there's still a place for getting the ball into the full forward line as directly as possible and as fast as possible. But obviously, if you're going to mind the ball and 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 keep possession, and if if defences are playing with extra bodies back there, which a lot of them do, I think a lot of halfbacks and half forwards now are getting up and down the field at an awful rate. I think you you know it's it's not far behind the way football players cover grounds. So it's how quickly you can transition the ball and how quickly you can mind it. I think there's still a place for for hitting it down to the edge of the square. I think we've seen some some a lot of goals coming from that this year. So, but I think Kilkenny, I think they have to be able to. Mix it. I think you have to be. I think they seen last year against against Waterford. Look, Waterford's running game just just really caught them cold in the second half when Waterford went for that, and it looked at half time that Kilkenny, you know, were in the ascendancy, but they just had no answer to Waterford in the second half. Uh, and I don't want to take away from Waterford in that. I think they they were fully deserving of that, but um, I'd expect Kilkenny are going to have to. They, I think they have to be able to blend one one to the other. Like I think they showed it against Dublin a couple of years ago, where. They weren't able to handle Dublin's, you know, extra man for a while. And then they were poking it long. And then when Kenny worked it out through the lines, they actually were well able to do it. Uh, and I think that's the key to it. I think that's hurdle is good enough to work the ball out through the lines and bring it up the field. Speaking of Dublin, the uh, Antrim playing Dublin, playing Dublin playing Antrim at the weekend, obviously. And Antrim have been flying, really. And Dublin haven't really. They played quite well against Kenny in the first game. Other than that, haven't really got going. Do you, uh, do you think Antrim can cause an upset? Yeah, it's, I think the evidence is there that they're 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 nicely positioned. But uh, I think if I'm Matty Kenny, forearmed is forewarned. I think uh, I think Dublin will be very focused on this. I think they have to be because uh, having looked at a few of the matches, uh, Antrim are playing a really good brand of hurling, and I think fair play to Darren Gleeson, he has really turned them around. In a very sharp, you know, in past 16, 18 months, um, and to get the results that they've got this year, you know, it's you know, you'd say the clear one. Sometimes you go okay, but then when they were able to go along and and you know pull back a lead and take you know get a get a point against Wexford, I think you could say, and they came down to Kilkenny and gave a very good performance. So um, Dublin will have to be very very careful with them. Dublin are going to have to be on top of their game, and like you said, their lads, I think Dublin aren't maybe playing with that fluency that they have in previous years. And I think what you have is maybe a Dublin squad that's in a little bit of a transition. I think, you know, you've seen a couple of older guys, you know, moving on. Conal Keeney has left in the last couple of years, Paul Ryan. And you have a couple of young, good young lads like Donald Burke and uh, Donald Madden, you know, James Madden and these guys coming online. Um, they still have a couple of experienced lads there. So, but they have a few injuries as well. So um, I don't know. It's, I think Danny Sutcliffe's farm is good. But uh, they're definitely going to have to be on top of their game because uh, Antrim are, are, are going to provide a very, very dangerous challenge for them. So if you were to call it? Oh, Jesus, I don't know. Um, I, uh, I, I'd expect Dublin just to get over the line, but I, I tell you, I won't be shocked if, if Antrim do a job on them. I, I just won't be shocked because 
I think when you see a team playing with good fluency and 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 they're playing really good aspects of their match, I think then you're you know you say well Dublin look to be not far off it now at the moment, but um, it's it's I don't know it's just it's set up for it really isn't it it's just it's 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 on a knife edge, and I think Dublin are going to have to pull out a massive performance to 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 take Antrim. But I, I, I give them a hesitant nod to, to do it. But uh, like I said, I'm covering me with bets here. I, I won't be shocked if Antrim do them. Just checking. That match is in mead, actually. Um, Which, again, adds to the danger of it, doesn't it? Well, it'd yeah. be worse if it, was, if it was in Belfast for Dublin, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Dublin won comfortably enough in the league, but that was in Parnell Park. It was in Parnell, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> Park has been a good old hunting ground for Dublin always, so... Yeah, it's just one they have to be they have to be very very careful with. I think I think uh, I think Matty needs needs his players to deliver a big performance from. He does. This is third year there now, isn't it? And yeah, barring the win against Galway in two thousand and nineteen, Dublin haven't done an awful lot, have they? Or am I forgetting something? Uh, no, geez, there was once there. I think uh, they got their or their tires there, all right, somewhere along the way. But uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 just looking at them now, I, I do. I, I think they're probably in a transition because there were. You're probably looking at the last few guys like Keeney and Paul Ryan, and you know maybe you know Liam Rush is not probably that old either, but he has a lot of mileage on the clock. So they're Dalo's crew that delivered the league and and Leinster title in thirteen as well. So you know. Then you have, you know, maybe an influx of new faces coming into that squad. You know, Danny Sutcliffe now is again, you know, one of the, the veterans of that that team in 13 as well. So uh, it's hard to know. It's hard to know where, where Dublin are at the moment. But um, I, I think what they're missing is probably that middle age group the, where they have a lot of lads around the 26, 27, 28 mark. That's really the spine of your team, which I think he had at that time. He did a lot of guys, you know, between that age group that were that were the difference, you know. And what happens with Liam Rush? Does he start at centre back or full forward? Oh, jeez. Uh, for me, I think I think his best place and where he does his best hurling is around the middle. I think the year that they won that Leinster, even the year that they came up short, I think against Tippin and All Ireland semi final, he was playing midfield. He was down as a wing forward and played as a midfielder that day as a deep line midfielder, and he kind of won a lot of. He, I think he got a couple of points. But for me, if I, I think centre back is possibly his best position, I, I think it's arguably maybe maybe as a wing for wing back or something like that. But uh, I know he gives you. I think you're borrowing Peter to pay Paul to shove him up full forward. Yeah, yeah. I think he's just a better defender. Um, I would actually love to see them shove Sean Moore up the field. I think Sean Moore is is a better forward than he is. You know, maybe in defence. So I think I, I definitely flip the two of them and, and see how it goes. Here in Walford is the next one. Whereas most people are going to have a, most teams playing Clare are going to have a plan for Tony Kelly. Last year, say you, you, your leash team did quite a decent job on Tony Kelly. I think he, he well, only four points is not much for him, <laughs> I suppose. But uh, he destroyed Wexford then a week later. He nearly beat Clare. What, what was your plan to hold back Tony Kelly? Um, but we we sent Podge Delaney after him, and uh, in fairness, like you said there, Podge was the one that kept him to his lowest score from playing the whole championship. So in that regard, you look for little things and say, look, I thought Podge done well that they got a point himself. But uh, at the same time, look, he's an elusive kind of guy. But you just looking at that, it's you have to nail him. You have to just stop him. It's as simple as that. And 
And I think with the way things are now, I think sometimes that could be, you obviously have to have somebody athletic because he does cover a lot of ground. He does roam around free and he's quite good to drop his marker. He's he's quite good to kind of get in around the fringe. Like you don't see him going into those scrums, but you just see him running good lines and he often comes in on the right and then, you know, when the defender gets behind him, you know, he just blindsides the defender and drops his marker and goes the other side. So he's he's very good at that. So I think you have to maybe look at one of your most athletic guys and I think you have to be willing to say to him, listen, you just have to stop him getting that ball in his hands. I think he is that effective at the moment. So I think if you're looking to stop and clear, well, sure, there it is uh, in a nutshell. And I think we saw he picked up his, uh, an injury, went over in his ankle against Waterford in that quarterfinal. I'm not going to say that they weren't going to be able to handle him, but, you know, that was, he just wasn't himself then after that. Um, and he spent a bit of time on the sideline getting treated. So it's 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 probably basic enough in that if he's on fire and he's not marked, he's going to do harm. So you just have to nail him. You have to stop him. Callum Lyons is probably going to be the man, would you think? Possibly, but Callum Lyons does a lot of attacking himself. So it's hard to know. I think you really have to have an out-and-out really disciplined guy that's, that, that's, that that's his sole focus. Now, obviously, in an ideal world, you love to be able to to mark a marquee forward for the opposition and, and make him kind of work a little bit. But Tony Kelly just, I think, clear, given the freedom, he doesn't have to be concerned with stuff like that. It was like, I think, the football of Ireland back in, maybe was it 04, where Aidan O'Mahony went after Kieran McDonald's and outscored him two points to one. So that was straight away the big win there. So it's something like that. I think it's... Um, Callum Lyons probably you lose something going forward so maybe it's 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 somebody else that's going to be really really disciplined and, and, and concentrated and stick with him so yeah I mean Callum Lyons could pop up at a couple of points as well but you know and maybe it'll give t- uh, Tony Kelly something to think about but if yeah. it's if it's a scoring competition between the two of them, you're still backing <laughs> Tony Kelly to come out on top. I don't yeah, think Tony Kelly would care if his man scored a point. That's no, what I mean. That, that's the thing. I, I don't think he, I don't think, I think Claire, given that luxury, you know, in other places you'd say, look, you don't want your man to hurt the opposition. And you say that's, that's the concern maybe is that Callum Lyons could pinch you something like that. But, uh, if if I, I I don't think I'd be, I'd be adopting the, the, the Platini mindset to that particular battle of, you know, without scoring, you no, know, no. I don't. I, I think if that's your mindset to Tony Kelly, you're you're leaving yourself very exposed. So I think he has to be just a marker and shut him down. It's as simple as that. And he has to, as the saying goes, be literally in his togs. Do you think uh, Claire can cause an upset there? It's hard to know because I they, think they're going they, well lately. Yeah, they are, and what they've what they really have, and it's it's a dangerous thing going into for any team facing a team like them. They seem to have really uh, consolidated, you know, their their togetherness and their spirit. I think they've really um, kind of bought into, you know, Brian Lowen's, you know, there is a siege mentality. There's a lot of silly stuff going on down there. But to be fair to the players and Brian Lowen, they, they've, they've gone about their business and they've been building nicely. So uh, one thing a Brian Lowen team, if they're, if they're to be, an epitome of the man himself. They're going to they're going to fight. They're going to dig in. They're going to make a battle out of it. But I don't know. Will it be enough? I I I think I know Watford historically have have you know definitely hit the valley after they've they've peaked in certain seasons in the past where they seem to their highs are very high, but the following year they seem to hit rock bottom. But I think Liam Cad is a different animal. I think he has these Watford lads in a different place at the moment. So uh, I think he'll have them poised nicely. I, I you know I think. 
Connor Prunty and Leeson picked up injuries there the two weeks ago, but I, I don't think they're anything serious. So I think if, if Watford have the, the full deck to play with, I think um, I still would fancy him to get over the line there. I think it'll be a great game, though. I'm looking forward to that in a big way. It's going to be some battle. Yeah, you're right, though. Like, Waterford's the when they're hot, they're very hot, and when yeah. then they can very quickly turn cold. But I know the league, you can't go too much by it, but I suppose there was that fear, but they've showed the same kind of direct running, going for goals. They, they, did, they did look to have, to be back to, that they, that they won't drop off too much this year, I'd say. No, and, and what they look to do, I think maybe it's just Liam's influence on them. I think if you look at even the Tipperary minor team in 220s and 21 teams that he had, they, you know, they attack their men. They, 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 they run at you. They're, they're looking for goals. Um, I think they're quite direct, but they seem to just have a little bit of steel about them that that maybe, you know, like we said in previous years, and that they, 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 to stack up a level of consistency. So he, he seems to have that right in them. And, and I think I think they, they have bought into him. I think it's probably difficult for someone like Liam to go into somewhere like Watford where they had you know a previous management that that they seem to have got on very well with and and I'd imagine last year was definitely about the players getting to know Liam as much them but they seem to be rolling behind him they seemed he's he you know he, he brought them to an all-earned final last year and you know I think I, I don't think he certainly needs to prove himself anymore to that bunch of players and I think they've they certainly have bought into what he's what he's uh, trying to get them to do. Is Padre Delaney available for a leash? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think he uh, he had a. I think it's maybe an ankle injury or something like that. So I think uh, he hasn't played any games. So it's it's probably a rush against time. But I know it was a significant injury anyway. So uh, I think with the way the game has gone, it's going to be a big ask of Podge to be back. But he's a good lad. He's a real honest guy and. Uh, I think if 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 the lads ask him to stand in his head to be right, he'll do it, you know. But um, I think time time will tell. We haven't uh, got any uh, whispers yet on on what way it is. But I do know uh, Cheddar had a couple of decent injuries to, to try, uh, and and time wasn't in their favour really. So if I if I was guessing, then I would think that the way Rory O'Connor has been playing, I would think that they'd send a man marker after him, like Podge Delaney. So if he's not fit, who would be? Who do you think they'll task with that job? Jesus, it's hard to know because Rory, you know, is very athletic. He does a lot of movement. So I think Donica Hartness is a guy with real discipline that can mark a lad and shut a lad down. But he's probably better, you know, inside in the full line. I think he's. I think Donica is is a guy that's capable of marking someone like Connor Mack because he has that real full back discipline in him, or cornerback discipline. Um, I don't know. It's hard to know, I suppose, who who you'd, you'd maybe look to. But, you know, Jack Kelly has athleticism. Um, but I suppose Jack also gives you something going up the field as well. He's he's a guy that's able to to, to carry the ball. Um, it's hard to know after that because I think Rory plays so, you know, so many areas of the pitch. So I think sometimes I think you see these guys that they pull a, a good defender out to open the door for somebody else. And I think that's one thing that's, that's, that maybe the Wexford forwards do at, at times is they're able to maybe try, you know, if you if you decide to man-mark someone like Rory and he was playing full forward, well, he's going to go for a run and, and bring you out. And if you have your good defenders, maybe some defenders are very comfortable in that, you know, danger zone in front of, this, in front of the goal. And when you take them out of there, then it, it maybe leaves you a little bit exposed. 
another thing on um on Wexford there. Are you trying to get Kevin Foley caught for, <laughs> for, 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 grab, for grabbing Earls? No, I, I, I put my uh I put my disclaimer in place before I explained it in fairness in that interview. So uh no, I, I, the, the, the tweet as well. There was the tweet two frees for Kevin oh, Foley yeah, for grabbing I'm his opponent's Earl. And, and then you were on with Joe Malloy as well on off the ball, and you. I yeah no no I I just <laughs> I, and again Jesus I, I may go dig up another example because uh, God forbid I I don't want the Wexford people hunting me down and saying that <laughs> targeting them but no I'm I'm not I'm just using I think like I said Jesus I threw Dan McCormick into the mix as well I think <laughs> some lads are quite good and again I'm trying to look at the acts rather than the person. But uh, yeah, no, I just think there's, there's there's a little bit of that goes on, and I and I, and I look, I seen I, the one I didn't get to say, and I, I may as well say it straight. Larks was a fair dab hand at it himself for us for us as well. So I have to be to be fair about it, you know. And Larkin was good at drawing that foul, you know. And I'm saying, if if he's on my team, I'm saying, you know, is that good play? Sure, it is. I'm not going to criticize a guy if he's able to win you a free or whatever. But uh, I just I, I see, and he's not the only ones. It, there's, there's lots of guys do it, but. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm surprised that was. <laughs> uh, Brick Walsh, he was the master for oh, me. Oh, Brick was the the daddy of it. In fairness, I, I think mean, he, he got the he got the brick flick named after him, but he could have also had that named after him too. Yeah, you know, I I remember one day approaching him and knowing full well, I said, "Don't step into him," and I just put two hands out straight, and he just went out by the side of me. And next thing I know, I'm on his back and he's going to grab. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to blame for myself because I said, don't step into him, you know. So if you stand off and put your hands out, you still get zapped. It's rampant, though. It's not just one or two. It is. It is. Yeah, so it, many. is it is. And I, I like to see, like, I don't mind, like, fair enough if, if you're making lads, I suppose, think, but I suppose you're making defenders think if you're running at them. But I, I think if you're making a genuine attempt to go past, like, I think that has to be always the philosophy saying, you know, you're not going out trying to, to win frees because, you know, free takers are so good nowadays. And if you turn into a battle like that, it, it, it could come down to free taking. But I suppose I, I'd like to think that you're saying, look, no, try go around him. And if he does pull you back or if he does catch you high, well, that's well and good. But let, let it be that you're, you're trying to go around him <laughs> rather than, than carry him with you or whatever. You never did it. No, you were... Dead set for the goal. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I, 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 I'd have never lasted at soccer. It just drives me queer with these lads in soccer and the way they, they throw themselves to the ground. I've often seen situations where you say it was actually the goal chance was on. So, um, yeah, look, I suppose you, you do you, you try test the guy, and if he does want to, I think if by facing him and going at him straight up, you make him decide he's either going to stop you or let John. And if he stops you and he's going to foul you doing it, then then it's it's a win-win all around. But I I think I'd always and I'd always like to see my players too go you know go past him if you can Jesus stare let down the eyeballs and go around him and and no matter what's happening let the ref do what he does but you stay going and if you can get the advantage well and good it should so, be unless that was the person taking the free they should be greedy enough to like keep going themselves to get their own score rather than just win the free and that that be so. I'd say you'd always prefer your own score than being fouled for a penalty and having Henry coming up to take it. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember actually the match we were talking about in 08 where Richie Power got pulled down for a penalty, or Larks got pulled down for a penalty, and Richie Power went do lally with the ref because he, he was after getting the pop off <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and he kept it was funny I never seen a lad appeal a penalty so much for his own team <laughs> uh, we gave him a fair bit of ribbon on, on the bus home that day we were slagging him off you know but uh, you know, I, I think geez, no matter what you, you, you try to stay going and to look if, if you don't finish it you don't finish it so uh, you, you might have the advantage and you'd say in, in, in those situations that's where the, the, the rule is, is, is maybe a positive thing but definitely uh, try try get in there and get the goal. I've actually had a lad on my own my own team complaining for a penalty when I'm after I was after sticking the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> he was obviously the pen taker. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He wasn't. No. He just didn't want to see you score. <laughs> yeah, it's the same time like when sometimes when you win the free and the player that got fouled is still complaining to the ref. After, you, you got your free. What do you, what do you want? <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah, yeah. What would be interesting, though, is if, if you had a situation maybe where the guy that gets pulled down would be interesting and uh, they have to hit the penalty themselves. That would be interesting. It would, but would that kind of encourage <laughs> fouling then? <laughs> yeah, it would. You'd, you'd be trying to foul. Every time left. this particular guy gets the ball, foul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one thing that I thought of. It's the first time I'm saying it out loud, so it could sound ridiculous. But just in all the talk about you know trying to speed up the game and um, too many fouls and all, if you're allowed to take the free from your hand but not score from it, would that speed things up? So if you get fouled, rather than having to put the ball down, throw it up and hit it. If if you if you want to score from it, you have to do that. But if you want to just get the game moving oh, yeah. again quickly. Take it out yeah. of your hand straight away. Give a hand pass. Be allowed a hand pass. So uh, I suppose uh, akin to your mark as such, something something yeah. on long line or something. Yeah, it's hard to know. Um, it, it, it would be radical. Um, and I and I don't know. Are we do do our boys uh, in positions of power move that quickly or that radically? So I don't know. I'd say we could be waiting for something like that. But yeah, just say I think if you were looking at maybe bringing back the likes of your, your Railway Cup competition or even the Boston 11s, that's the games for maybe stuff like that to see, look, is it work? Yeah, Would it work? work. Effective? And just from a spectacle point of view, it's just a different concept. It's encouraging fast flow and hurling. So, yeah, uh, bet for the weekend. Treble, uh, the Brennan treble is <laughs> tip for listeners. Wexford, Dublin and Watford. Yeah. Are we leaving a double? Uh, Jesus, it's hard. No, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll keep it as, as a, as a double. I, I, I'd love, I'd love, I'd love to see um, me, me, old, me old comrades up there do something. But uh, I just think Wexford will, will possibly have a little bit much for them, and I think Watford will have a bit much for Clare. And would the cooler lads fall out with you if you went French from over Dublin? <laughs> Oh geez, I don't know. They 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 mightn't come back. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's just it's it's one that's dodgy. Like I said, it's it's yeah, one yeah. that like you know would it surprise you if 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 Dublin you know get home by five or six? Possibly not. But I think I think it's going to be you know you'd have to say with the way Antrim are playing, it's 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 lined up to be a right good game. You know, has Sean Moran played in the forwards for Cooler much, or is that is that, is that your plan for him now? Uh, I don't know. He's uh, we'll see. Maybe let the cat out of the bag. No, last year and that you want Matty to try him up there for Dublin first, yeah. and then you make your decision. Try <laughs> and see, but no, last year in the in the club championship in Dublin, you know, he 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 scored heavily. Um, you know, I think he hit two six in the in the county semi final. So, 
Um, I just think I've seen I've seen him enough times score as well with Dublin to suggest maybe higher up the field because he's a skillful hurler. He has an eye for a goal. He's uh, he's got some important scores for them. And uh, I think I think when you know if if you were to look at Dublin, you know maybe maybe to the attackers they need more than defenders. And I think if you're going to put Liam Rush centre back, then definitely I'd be I'd be throwing Sean a little bit higher up the field because he's he's a really skillful guy and and he, he can get scores. You probably even haven't haven't even seen him, have you? Really, been with the county all the time, probably. No, no, the that's the the the, the seven of the boys there are in with the county. So uh, as you said, you you leave them be. They have a lot going on, so you don't want to be be burdening them with anything extra. You know, they're good lads, and when, whenever they're back with us, they'll be back with us. So uh, in that regard, um, if they're in there and the Dublin set up, there's no fear of their fitness and there's no fear of their touch and stuff like that. So you're just hoping that we can have the lads up to up to a good a really really good standard when they get back because um when the championship kicks off it's going to be flat out and you just have to be ready for that and is that seven with the hurlers specifically or at seven with yeah the no I think, footballers yeah well one of them is a footballer but uh, <laughs> so does um i think it's i think there's about seven of them inside involved with the squad so it's it's good it's a good thing and it's probably a bad thing in terms of your you know the, the the league matches and getting a look at lads but look they've they've done it before and uh there's a there's a good group there and they're they're very committed to their club as well. Very diplomatic. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know them enough to start slagging them yet. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Although you did you did uh give a, a bit of a slag to them a few years ago, if I remember with a tweet when they won the All Ireland. What was that? You said uh, there won't be a cow milk in Doc in Docky this weekend. Did I say that? I thought I just doubled on it. Yeah. Um, well, you were right. You were right. <laughs> you were one hundred percent correct. I think somebody. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I look. I suppose when you when you look at it too, and I remember even I think I done the analysis that night, uh, Paddy's night on them when they won the first one, and I think it was something that we commented on the night to say that look that that. You know, there's certain areas of, of the country that aren't, you know, primarily associated with, you know, that level of, of you know, winning a club at Ireland at hurling level was, was something massively significant. Like, and you say, Jesus, uh, you know, I know myself, we went up at the club a few years ago in the Inter League and we got clipped inside this um, by, by Kula and just, you'd have to be impressed with, with their club spirit. Um, they're very, very proud of it. And, uh, you know, I know even a few friends of mine that played up there over the years and, and they always commented that like and, and again it's it's probably you know a part of Dublin that wouldn't be considered, you know, Docky and around Kalini and around that area isn't seen as, you know, your your hurling stronghold, if anything, you know, it's probably even associated more the the fringe of your, your rugby area. So uh yeah, look, there's there's uh there's a couple of good country lads in there helping them as well, you know, there's 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 Kerry lads, there's Kilkenny lads, there's all sorts in there so I think you often get that with Dublin clubs is that you get country lads up there and they've blended in well with that group but um, yeah look they're, they're a club that's in a very short space of time have put themselves on the, the hurling map Absolutely We'd have two two uncles now who were um, heavily involved in Kula for for a long time oh, yeah. Matt Brown there be what he'll be watching you every, every night of the week you're up there he'll, he'll be watching you <laughs> keeping tabs on us keeping tabs on you yeah yeah I know Mick Morrissey down in uh, Mick there involved with St Martins Mick is chairman there and he heard with Kilkenny and heard with Dublin I think he was involved with Kula for a good few years so 
We'll um we'll throw you out a few quick fire questions before we go. If that's all right. Here's, here's the boomerang is coming. Well, nothing too bad. Right. Who's the best player you've ever played with? Played with? Oh Jesus. Uh you kind of got a li- limited options there. Not many. I'd have to, I don't know what JJ probably. I just think as an all-round defender that could be that really influential wing back. But then I think when you look at how effective he was at at fullback. Yeah, I think that that for me was it, and and just he just broke my heart so many nights in training, and you just couldn't but admire him. He, you know, at one stage I think one I even begged him to let one ball off to me, just just let one. Ball <laughs> Who is the? I reckon this is the same answer. Uh, <laughs> toughest player you've had to mark? Yeah, probably probably him in training, but um, equally, Tommy was just so competitive, and I, and I know. Look, we could talk about the different lads you met, at, at, but night in, night out. I mean, when you, you that was the one thing you, you were waiting for the team to be announced, and it was one thing, you know, where you were playing yourself, but it was even more so. Oh Jesus, you were doing the sums on who am I marking, and that was it. Uh, and you would, there's no point in saying it. it. It was a little psychological dagger to you going, oh, shit, what am I going to do? So straight away, if you're marking Tommy, you have to think different than if you're marking Jackie or McCab or whoever. So. But Tommy would just be, he'd be just so annoyed if you got one ball off him. He would just absolutely <laughs> such a competitor. He didn't have many soft options, though, no. for training every no. single night. Yeah, and, and that was the, that was the pitch to me in, I think, 2006 in the run-up to the, the Leinster final against Wexford. Uh, to get back into the team, I had to mark JJ for two nights and then Tommy for two nights. So uh, that was, so after that, the sky was the limit. <laughs> you were ready for <laughs> Is, yeah. Right. Who is the toughest opponent you ever had from Wexford? Maliki, I struggled with a good few times. Maliki was real tight marking. Um, but uh I thought for me Darren Ryan was just just a class. I thought he was a really, real quality hurler, physically strong, um, well able to you know, command his area and you just got nothing soft off him. I think he had an unbelievable reach with him and he'd flick the ball away just as you thought you were gone from him. And uh, I had the, I had the pleasure of having a couple of drinks with him over in Boston in 2005 on a Railway Cup trip and absolute gent, you know, a really, really top quality guy. Seems what? like the Holy Grail having a point with Dara, Dara Ryan. Because <laughs> <laughs> he talked about it too. Yeah, I know. It was actually in Boston we had a few of them, but it was actually in Vegas on an all-star trip. I think, I remember one night, I think I came, I came home from the casino broke and uh, I met him and his, uh, I think his wife or his girlfriend at the time or his wife in the bar and they took sympathy on me and bought me an old bottle. So uh, I'd be forever forever indebted to that man. What type what of hurl did you use? Uh, Ramey Dowlin's always, yeah. Dowlin Hurley's were uh, hurls. Sorry now, hurls. It's always hurls in Kilkenny. So the Dowling hurl was was for me. I think if it was, you went into him a couple of times and he made you kind of a template as such. You knew after that once he got the balance right that time, you could always trust him. Then he, he knew what you wanted. But uh, yeah, just the best in the business for me. And was it uh, was it less than thirteen centimeters thickness? Oh. From, <laughs> and on the bus, I was laughing at some of this stuff. Jesus, weights, the hurls, everything. I never, I never. Looked at thickness, looked at it was, <laughs> can't say it, was it, more, it was more balance. If you picked up a hurl, you'd know straight away. You you hit a few balls with it, you'd know. Sometimes you might have to say to him, Look, I liked probably 
a thinner handle. So once the handle was thin enough to take a grip, um, after that it was grand, but you'd feel the balance in it. And sometimes you might, if, if there was just a, an excess bit of weight in the bottom of it, you might have to get it paired off a little bit. But generally, I wasn't looking at weights or looking at thickness or anything like that. Usually, the, the thickness was coming from the cornerback that I had to mark. So. <laughs> <laughs> Shot at Malachi? No, no, that's not Malachi. <laughs> that was our own lads training. <laughs> if you could pick one player to go to war with, who would it be? The throw up between Derek Ling and Noel Hickey. <laughs> uh, oh, geez, Peter Barry's coming into the reckoning too. Probably Noel Hickey just. Just he done whatever it took, and uh, he just had a fear factor in him as well too. I think there was a huge respect. I, I think you know when you look at what the likes of him brought on the edge of the square. I think there's no doubt if you if you're an opposition player and you knew you were going in, you knew you weren't going to get out and soft. And and particularly we 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 saw him at the start of the 06 All Ireland there. I think he. As the saying goes, he took handball and all off Brian Corcoran the first ball that landed, and it just set the tone for that match. He was probably he was probably lucky he played the whole match as well. But anyway. <laughs> Last one now. Right. What's the best inter-county goal you've ever seen? They have to definitely catch me on the hop with that one. Um, oh, Jesus. I'm stumped. There's probably something from DJ Carey definitely over the years because I would have just idolised DJ. Um, you know, just I'm not going to mention the famous one he kicked because we're not going for fun. Um, I don't know. It was just, there was lots of goals DJ got over the years. I think that was the beauty of him was that you could give him 20, 20 balls into him and he could do something completely different. And just a quick story a few years ago there, um, he made a comeback um, in junior hurling. He was definitely 42 or 43 and he played against Liz Downey in a junior B match one evening. And he got two goals that evening that were just out of this world, just as good as that. The brain was still functioning as good as ever. So, Look, he's the he, he's the goal when it comes to scoring goals for me anyway. So I suppose and that DJ got will will we'll count that. I think we can accept that, Ben, can we? I think so, yeah. Junior <laughs> junior B DJ carry goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a brace that evening. So. Yeah. I don't know if you listened to him on on uh, Brian Carroll's did Harlow's Life one, where he said that Tommy Walsh Tommy Walsh retired him. Because he, he marked him in a club game and he scored about 2-4 himself, but Mark and Tommy. But Tommy just won so much ball that he felt he needed to retire. <laughs> I was just thinking... He got 2-4, that's not too bad. Something like 2-4. Like Tommy Walsh never really marked his man like, he just demanded oh, no. the ball like kind of... That was, that was the ball, I remember... We, we, we played him in championship one year and we, we, we barely got over the line. James Ryle got a last minute goal. But word filtered through that he was going following me, so I said, "Grand!" So I literally done the the greyhound on and just ran around the pitch. And I think it was maybe with ten minutes to go, Tullerone probably realised that was a mistake because Tommy wasn't in the game at all. Whereas I think he's he's the kind of fella that you want in the game. You want him under the ball the whole time. You certainly don't want him running around, and uh, so that that wouldn't be his strength. Somehow at all. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolute competitor and, and still going strong with the club in full forward now. He's 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 the Billy Bourne of Tullerone. <laughs> and he has these decent lads hitting it into him too. Yeah, oh, Jesus, he is. He's getting enough of goals. Has he, Billy Bourne of Tullerone. 
that would be something he'd like as well. Probably he 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 loves all that the, the romantic side of hurling. <laughs> Would he go into management? Do I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I think Tommy needs to be doing something. I think. I think Tommy. You'll, you'll see Tommy hurling till he's about. Till he's probably told he has to come off the pitch. Really, <laughs> he, uh, you're not allowed anymore. <laughs> no, I think he's he's up around what is he thirty seven, thirty eight now. So he he'll definitely do another three or four years anyway, at least. Are you still going? No. <laughs> you were two years ago, was it? Uh, yeah, I did. I, I made a brief a brief appearance last year in a, in a junior match and uh, I got about 20 minutes. We were, we were badly stuck on the day, so um, the, we were just down numbers. But um, uh, yeah, there's part of you I would love to be still hurting, but I suppose I don't miss the, 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 the two or three day soreness after a match that, you know, even with getting to the sea for a swim and getting a rub or something like that, you're just... You're buckled for two or three days, so um, I, th- I think the the you, you love it. Don't get me wrong, geez, you'd love to be still going, um, but oh, geez, no, the body doesn't miss that kind of pain. <laughs> when you were leash manager, and you were in the intermediate, was the intermediate Leinster? Did you have to mark one of the leash lads in? Yeah, the game, no? did. did Frank Flanagan? <laughs> it's gas uh, and Tommy Fitz, who was. In on the coach and the backroom team was on the field as well. So myself and Tommy were against each other that day in the Leinster final, and uh, I was marking Frank Flanagan. Yeah, so uh, he uh, he's a about six foot three, big physical fella. So and and, and he was bringing the the football style of marking. So over me, so he was that day. You now, but uh, yeah, no, uh, I, I was trying to move around and stay out of his clutches for most of that match. So there was no animosity afterwards. There, or anything. No one got no. dropped. No, no, it was all, it was all, it was all good. Thankfully, so <laughs> it was the supporters gave me a bit of stick that day. All right, I sure I was going to get that. Yeah, all good. Right. Thanks, William, for that, Eddie. No yeah. bother at all. That Thanks great. very much, Eddie. Good crack as well. Damien Fitzhenry was the best at what he did to ever play the best ever was Mike Ward. He was just so good. He was so good. A magician. I'm the youngest of the 15. Uh, nine brothers and five sisters. They just stuck you in the goal then? Yeah, well, uh, a so-called goal. Uh, two Damien Fitzhenry was the best goalkeeper I ever played, but you know, I'd say, say that. Damien Fitzhenry is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. So I'd probably, like, I'd probably say Damien. Unfortunately, Shane Tompkins couldn't make it. Myself and Gary just felt he was a little too pumped. He's very pumped for championship, and we just felt he was too much so. Like... He he couldn't keep it together really, so we had to leave him off the show for this week, but hopefully next week. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week. Hopefully looking forward to a Lancer semi-final with Kenny. In the meantime, everyone take care and thanks to our sponsor, the Enscardi Credit Union of Wexford. <laughs>